Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I am really excited to introduce our guest today on Be Brave at Work. He is many things, an executive and leadership coach whose clients include folks like Alan Mulally, the former president and CEO of Ford Motor Company. I think we have all heard of that small automotive uh, manufacturing company, a mentor to hundreds, if not thousands of executive and leadership coaches found across the globe. He is a speaker, an author of over 47 books, many of which I have read and loved, a professor of management practice at the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth College. More importantly, though, he is a son, a husband, a father, a grandfather, a Kentuckian, and he is a business person, a business founder, an influencer, innovator, inspirer, a thought leader, and as if he has any time left, a board of director member. I'm so pleased to welcome to all of our listeners today on Be Brave at Work to a conversation with Marshall Goldsmith. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, Marshall. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's great fun. I hope we can have some fun. And, uh, you know, before we started to record, you started us off with a fun laugh. So that always helps make our conversation just a, a little bit better. So I told folks a little bit about you, but I would love to, and I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about, you know, what are some of the things that you're working on today that would be of most interest to our listeners? Well, there are two predominantly. One, my new book is coming out May 5th, and it's called The Earned Life, The Earned Life. So I'm very excited about the new book. You mentioned I've done 47 books. You, you showed me the ones you've read. Typically, those are the only ones worth reading. The other 42 <laughs> are only for sleeping purposes. And, and the, the five you've read have sold about 95% of all the copies. The others were purchased only by my mother, father, and relatives. So uh, <laughs> this one's going to be one of the good ones, though. So I've got a lot of faith in this one. This is going to be a good one. So my new book is coming out, The Earned Life. It is really incredibly well-written. Now, why can I say that without bragging? All of my best books, I did not write. Uh, my friend Mark Ryder is the co-writer on this book. The guy is spectacularly good. I am not modest about this at all. I tell the truth. I couldn't write that book. He's a much better writer than I am. I'm a good thinker. And by the way, I'm a very good writer. I'm just not as good as he is. And the other book he had there was uh, How Women Rise with Sally Hilgerson. Also, I love that book. 
hugely successful, probably in the past 15 years, number one or two in terms of most successful books for women in leadership. And I didn't write that one either. <laughs> she wrote that one. <laughs> so the key to having a New York Times bestseller, find someone that can write. Find someone there you that go, like books, right? Yeah, so I don't write books. Like I, James I Patterson or uh, folks like that. Yeah, so I just have the ideas. So that's one thing that's happening. The second thing I'm working on, which is a major theme of my life, is called 100 Coaches. I went to a program called Design the Life You Love, and the woman said, who are your heroes? My heroes are very kind and generous people who are great teachers. I'm going to mention some of them today, Paul Hersey, Peter Drucker, Francis Hesselbein. And they were kind and generous people that were nice to me and never charged me money. So the woman running the program, Aisha Brussel from Turkey, said, you should be like them. I decided to adopt 15 people, teach them all I know for free. And the only price is when they get old, they have to do the same thing. So I make a little selfie video and put it on LinkedIn. So I'm thinking maybe 100 people will apply. I'm a nice old man stumbling through life. They laugh at my joke. And then they get old and do the same thing. But I was wrong. Over 18,000 people have applied for adoption. Wow. Wow. So many people applied for adoption. So, so far, I've adopted about 350 people in our program. It's a wonderful program. And the people are amazing. And our whole thing, we don't have any money. There's no guilt. There's no expectations. The whole idea is just based on helping people. And the idea is, if you need help, people try to help you. There's no expectation you have to pay them, though, or do something for them. The only idea is you do something nice for somebody else. Well, I love that model. And I'm just wondering, Marshall, if you could give us a little synopsis of your upcoming book, The Earned Life. What's it about? And you know, what's, what's, what's a synopsis of that story? Well, one of the key themes in the book is... I'm a Buddhist. So, you know, Buddhist, I'm not a religious Buddhist, but a philosophical Buddhist. And one thing Buddha said is every time I take a breath, it's a new me. And as we go through life, we have the great Western disease of it's all going to be happy when, when I get the money status, BMW, condominium achievement, whatever. The book really doesn't say that's it. The earned life is not, did I achieve something? The earned life is, am I living an earned life on a day-to-day basis? And as we take, every time we take a breath, we're starting over. And I look at the concept of earning, not in terms like money or material things, or am I earning happiness? Am I finding meaning? Am I achieving something? And the idea is, what am I doing now? Not what have I done? What did I achieve? But what am I doing? And one of the most powerful parts of the book is about achievement. I talk about we need three things. One is aspiration. Our aspiration is this higher purpose, the goal. It doesn't have a time bound. There's not a finish line. Then our achievement is the achievement of goals, and they, by definition, have a finish line. And then the other part of it is our actions, which is the day-to-day experience of our lives. Well, if we look at the three, most people on listening to us right now, and almost everyone I coach, overweights achievement. And they're all everyone I coach is a hyper-achiever. And one of the guys I coach is, uh, on my little groups is Safi Bacall. Safi wrote a book, Moonshots, a brilliant guy, PhD in physics from Stanford, And he said his big breakthrough came when he realized that, and he talks like a scientist, happiness and achievement are independent variables. He used to believe that if I achieve, I will be happy. Then he realized, and I told him, Safi, how much do you have to achieve to get happy? You already got a PhD from Stanford. What are you doing at two? And you've already written these best-selling books, and you're worth lots of money, and you've formed companies, and you've consulted the presidents. Exactly when do you start saying, I guess I did pretty good here? And when do you start declaring victory? And he said, you're right. And he realized you could be a high achiever and be happy. You could be a high achiever and be miserable. You can achieve nothing and be happy. And you can achieve nothing and be miserable. That his breakthrough was happiness and achievement are not the same thing. And in the West, we have been hammered with the idea of it'll all be okay when. 
when I get the money status, BMW, the condominium, get the degree, blah, blah, blah. doesn't work that way. Not at all. In fact, if you look at some high achievers, Michael Phelps, unfortunately, what did he feel like doing after winning his last gold medal? Felt like killing himself. That's not uncommon. Pro football players. Curtis Martin is in our group. Wonderful man. He was an NFL all-star. A lot of ex-football players are doing terrible. He's doing great. A lot of them aren't. So, you know, this business of achievement, a good Hindu philosophy on this one is don't get fixated on the outcome. Do not become attached to the outcome because if you do, it's bad for two reasons. One, let's say you achieve it. Great. How long is that going to last in terms of enjoyment, happiness, an hour, a day, a month? Not, not very long. And two, you may not achieve it because it may be out of your control anyway. So the idea is, as we go through life, you know, day to day to day, did I do my best? Did I do what I thought was right and make peace? Well, it sounds like one of the concepts in your book is focused on action. Is that something that you work on mostly with clients to focus on the future by taking action? Well, you know, with my clients, I practice something called feed forward. And it relates to your concept of courage or bravery. Every one of my clients is taught to ask everyone for input about how they can do better. They all get confidential feedback on how they're doing. That's confidential. Then after they get the feedback, they talk to everybody and they say, here's what I've learned. I feel great about this. I want to get better. Please help me. And then they follow up over and over. And again, they get better. I get paid. The process, there are three variables, courage, humility, and discipline. And the first one is what you talk about bravery. It takes guts to get feedback. It takes guts to look in the mirror. It takes guts to stand up and say, hey, I may be the CEO, but you know what? I can do better. Please help me. And I would tell you, it takes it takes additional guts to not only get feedback, but then follow up on it. Uh, many of my clients, we go through, through a 360 assessment. They collect a lot of feedback. Uh, I believe most of it is honest in respect to how people experience them in the workplace. But then it takes bravery to go back to people, even anonymously, to say, hey, here's what I heard and help me. And a lot of people just don't do that. And, you know, perhaps uh, you can direct us to the book that you've written that talks about feed forward so we can learn, you know, how to get people on that hamster wheel. But, you know, so many people kind of don't take that next step of pursuing what it is that they've heard. They've read it. They've seen it. Some drop it and don't move on. Others embrace it and look for ways to deepen it in respect to their experiences with others. You know, you're making a great point. I wrote an article about this called Leadership as a Contact Sport, and it, it makes your point. I did research with 86,000 people, and it is exactly what you said. The people that get feedback, talk to people, follow up, get better. Now, shockingly, the people that get feedback and do nothing don't get better. Now, I have good news. I have good news. They don't get worse. They just stay the same. <laughs> right, which is which is amazing. Yeah, I've learned as a coach, I, I can give people stuff to do, but if they don't do it, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> right, and which is amazing, right? Because you know, I tell people that if there's anybody at your organization who should know how others are experiencing you, it's you, right? You should know how people think about you, what they like about you, what they think you did differently, and right. if if you don't know it, then you're operating at a deficit. And then once you know it, and this is where sometimes we struggle, you know, is getting them to take action, to take from one of the concepts from your upcoming book, uh, to do something with, the, with this information in order to help themselves. And for whatever reason, a lot of people just don't do it. Well, you know, that's an interesting question. Oh, by the way, if anybody would like to research articles, send me an email, Marshall with two L's at marshallwillsmith.com. I'll send them a copy. It's called Leadership as a Contact Sport, or they can go to my website and get it there. Now, 
you know, why don't people do this stuff? I mean, I've got research from tens of thousands of people who've been to my classes and ask them a question. You know, the ones that do it and the ones that don't, why don't you do it? Well, years ago, my biggest client was Johnson & Johnson. And Johnson & Johnson, wonderful company, was ranked most ethical company in the world. I worked with their top 2,000 leaders. A, a lot of them did the stuff. 30% did nothing. Nothing. Zero. So I said, why didn't you do this? It had nothing to do with ethics or values or integrity. They're good people. I'm sure all your listeners are mostly really good people. It had nothing to do with intelligence. They're certainly smart people. I'm sure your listeners are smart people. The reason people did nothing had to do with the dream. And I'm really busy right now, and I'm kind of overcommitted. And But, you know, I think in three or four weeks, it's all going to get better, and I'm going to have some time, and I'll start my new Healthy Life program, and everything's going to be different. Everybody's had the same dream. Three or four weeks doesn't get here. You got to have the courage to do this on, on an ongoing basis. And if you don't, it won't happen. If you're waiting for everything to be normal before you do stuff, you got a long wait. Well, I'd love to go back and talk about the 100 coach concept, which is helping others. And as I've talked to people about being brave at work, the model that you want to embrace in order to be brave with others is operate under the belief that you're helping them that you're not hurting them, that you're not insulting them, you're not belittling them, you're not judging them, but you're right. attempting to help them be more aware of something they're doing or the impact that they're having on others in order to improve or do something a little bit differently. Is that one of the concepts that you work on with the work that you're doing? And That's exactly it. And again, the whole idea of feed forward is two things. One, the person giving the message, they're trying to help as much as they can, the person listening is learning as much as they can. One of the rules, though, is you don't critique or judge people who try to help you. You don't say stupid idea, bad idea. I already knew that. That'll never work. No matter what people tell you, I train people to sit there and say thank you. Never promise to do everything people say, but you can always promise to listen, to think about what they say and do what you can. We're going to pause in our conversation with Marshall Goldsmith and ask that you join us on our next podcast recording where we continue our conversation about bravery at work. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today, and we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Rich Strategies, whom you can reach at 800 222 5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.